Good morning, Kingdom Health Podcast listeners. Whenever you guys are listening in on this, just want to give you guys a big welcome and say thank you so much for tuning on in today. I've got the amazing Melody Dallern, who is going to be uh, diving in with us all about the mind-body connection, a little bit about Melody before she goes ahead and gives a formal introduction. Um, first found her through, uh, I think it was School of Kingdom with Dub Alexander and just meeting all of the awesome friends within there. And I saw that she did trail running and she was also doing some mindset coaching. And then she had me on her podcast. Uh, she runs trails, which was a great experience to be able to, uh, just hop on there and share my own journey on, uh, the half marathon that I ran last year and overcoming, you know, double knee surgeries. And so just super honored to have her here on today and Melody, super thankful that you're here. I'd love for you to kind of take a moment, introduce who you are a little bit before we dive on in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Patrick, so much for having me on. It's so cool because you were on my podcast and I'll get to be on your podcast. And so, yeah, I'm excited. You know, just like Patrick said, we met School of Kingdom and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we meet so many incredible people in this space. And I just love being connected to healthy kingdom people with healthy mindsets, you know, who are taking care of their temples. I can get on board with that all day long. And yeah, as Patrick mentioned, I am an ultra runner. And so some people call us crazy, <laughs> but I absolutely love running. I've always been a runner and, um, you know, I just kind of find my flow space in running and I find that I learned so much about myself through running. So running has really been a journey for me, you know, running parallels life. And so I love that about running. I use that a lot with clients um, who are runners, but um, anyway, so that's just a little bit about me. I work with, you know, those more, more now than in the health space, I am a, a certified health coach and life coach, but I really work with individuals around the concepts of identity and really understanding who you are, what you carry and then how to shift our mindset accordingly so that you can begin to operate, you know, in that sweet spot that we all have. It just takes some of us a little longer to find it. Love that. You use a term I see a lot in your, um, your Facebook group called tridentity. Can yeah. you uh, expand a little bit on that? Like, what is that? Yeah, absolutely. So I started a company called Tridentity Coaching because, you know, according to Genesis 127, right? We are triune beings made in the image of a triune God. We are mm. body we are mind and we are spirit or body, soul, and spirit. And so, so many times, you know, we have this compartmentalized approach um, that we're going to, you know, work on our body or we're going to work on our relationship with the Lord, you know, our spirit, or we're going to go after those emotions, which live in the realm of the soul. And really, you know, I've worked with people in, in some capacity for the last 20 years, um, even before I started my coaching practice. And what I found is that if you start working on your body and your health, you end up in a space of mindset, right? And then when you start getting into mindset, then you start the journey of identity. Likewise, if you start in the space of identity, what I have found is that your mindsets begin to shift and then your health also begins to shift. Again, we are not a compartmentalized being and you're so interconnected that when you begin to work in one space, you kind of see the overflow in the other dimensions of who you are. So that's where Tridentity came from. I love that. I didn't know if that was the name of your actual business too. I just saw you like, I'm in your Facebook group and I saw you like plug that in a few things. Like that's a really cool phrasing of it. That's awesome. And before we dive super deep on that, because there's a few things you mentioned there that I'm I'm curious about, I got to get this question out of the way. 
what's like, I didn't know you were an ultra marathon. I didn't know like you were an ultra runner. I knew that you were long distance, but when you put the term ultra, like I just saw a guy, um, his name's Dan Holguin or the roster runner. If you know about him, um, I got the chance to talk with him a couple of years ago about Ninja warrior and his experience. Um, but I saw him run a hundred mile run. It's like the badlands or something like that. So I'm, I, and he was tore up by the end of it. So I'm curious, like, what's like the hardest or longest run that you've done? Cause I didn't know that you were in, in that deep of territory. With running. <laughs> well, you make it sound a lot cooler than what it really is. Um, it is cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a barely an ultra runner. Right. So in that space, you have the 55 K's. I'm, I'm in that space, the 50 milers, okay. the 100 milers, um, and then, you know, the, the 200 and 300 miles, which is crazy. But mm. so the furthest I've ran is a 55K, um, which is like 34 miles. And that was in wow. Antelope Canyon in Page, Arizona. The hardest race was a, a 50K that I think really was like a 55K because the map was off and it was in Zion National Park in Utah. Oh man. Oh, uh, that was last year. Wow. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I was going to see Jesus. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Um, and so I, I'm not running that course again, but um, obviously I survived and I'm here. And so, you know, the thing with ultra running, it just, you push past your limits, you know, you see what's possible and, you know, we do not even tap in to what is possible. Like we live in a safe space, right? We live where everybody else lives. And it's really scary to push past what is known, what is comfortable. And, but when you do that physically, it opens up a whole paradigm um, for mindsets, for emotions, and what you believe is possible in your life. So I have this, this thing where if you push through a physical barrier, like what you perceive to be a physical barrier, you often will see a correlation of you pushing past um, emotional barriers, mindset barriers, mm -hmm. right? Spiritual barriers in your life. And so that's one of the things I really love about ultra running, because if I can do this and the natural, then what does that say about all the other dimensions and facets of my life? Wow. Yeah. That really clicked when you were saying that. Cause I was, um, that was my next question for you is like, what, what's kind of the, the correlation you've seen between ultra running and and mindset. And when, when you put that there, like it's, it's true, you know, when you get to see yourself do something in the physical that you didn't think was possible, oftentimes it takes you going to a new place mentally first yeah. to even be able to, to reach that. So I really, really enjoyed that. Like what's been the biggest lesson you've had from ultra marathon running, or even just your body you know, that has, has translated over into, you know, the mind and, and new ways to be able to take, take dominion over that. And even too, like, um, you know, I'm curious with that, just so with the lens of like a relationship with Christ doing that, because there's plenty of like, there's plenty of podcasts and, and videos out there, people talking about the mind body connection, like, and, and mindset, but I don't hear a lot of people talk about like what that means to live in the kingdom and specifically viewing it through that lens. So I'm curious to hear what, you know, you've learned from ultra marathon running with that. Right. Um, okay. There's, so there's a few questions in there. So the first one, yeah, um, <laughs> no, you're good. I want to remember them all. The first one, you know, I've learned, I guess, is that pain and discomfort is temporary. And, you know, our perception of pain sometimes is not 
it's not as true as the reality of, of the situation. And so a lot of times we fall short and we stop because things are uncomfortable, right? Because this feels tough or this feels hard and I don't like this feeling. And I'm going to go back where it's warm and safe and comfortable because that feels better, right? And so when you push through pain barriers, because there's a lot of pain, <laughs> You know, I'm not trying to scare anyone away like who's considering signing up for an ultra because you learn to push past it. Right. And you get to the other side and you realize that pain wasn't as true. Like it, it didn't have to define you. You chose to push past it and to keep going. And so what that, the, the message or the signal that you internalize when you do that enough times is that whether I'm starting a new business, right or I'm in a tough relationship, you know, the tough, the pain points of my life, I know that that pain point is not my ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. And that it's not going to, no matter what my mind will and emotions, right? And this is really an issue about governance in the soul, right? If I have governance over my soul dimension and ultra running definitely develops that, then I know that while my emotions are real, they aren't the absolute truth. While this pain is real, it's not the absolute truth. And so as you begin to internalize that lesson over and over again, that translates into other areas of your life that while might be hard, maybe painful, it's not the absolute truth and you can push through to the other side. So that kind of answers maybe your first question. (laughs) That's that's been the biggest lesson Um, for me. I'm a very emotionally intense person, right? Um, that's kind of my bend. Some would say passionate, some would mm-hmm. say crazy. And so if you're wired like me, I can, I can fall into the throes of emotion. So it's really helped me bring those emotions into a place of governance and realizing they're not absolute truth or a compass, mm-hmm. right? But they're not absolute truth. Yeah. So that's probably been the biggest, one of the biggest things um, in patience. I'm not a so, patient person by nature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm learning to be, I had my, uh, consultation with Dub, and what came out was the patient King. And so I am learning to be able to embrace that more and more because nice. um, my tendency in the past has definitely been to rush things. So I, I, I get that 100%. Yeah. I want to, uh, tighten up a part of that question uh, or a myriad of questions that I asked you. You did a great job with that first one. I love what you had to say. Um, what would you say has been when you're out there running, moving your body, right? And this can just be physical movement as a whole, but I know like your, your preferred is, is running. What's been like the biggest relational lesson that you've learned with Christ? Like just, just through your relationship with him. I'm curious as you're out there running, you know, 30 miles, 10 miles, five miles. What's that been like with that uh, relationship and any big lessons there? You know, for me, um, so I'm a, I would be a D on the disc scale, right? I'm the type A, I'm the doer, I'm the productive one who's constantly Mm -hmm. going, I'm a visionary, I'm building. And so I don't have many moments of quiet, you know, and it's so interesting that when I run in my relationship with, with Christ, right, I hear him so clearly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I can't do anything. I'm just running and it's quiet. And so it's just when I'm in movement and I'm alone, it's like all of my receptors are open. And so I've had some of the best conversations <laughs> with a father in movement running alone because I'm in a place where 
I'm not distracted, right? And so it's, it's opened up a dialogue that is outside of the space of doing or, you know, um, performance or, hey, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to do it? Who am I, re-? you know, it, it's taken all of that out of the conversation. And when I'm out there running, it's just me and God. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. what do you want to talk about? Because there's nothing on my brain really after that first mile, it just kind of dissipates. I think my thoughts, they fade away and I'm in this space and it really has given me, you know, we, we hear this word oneness, you know, um, yeah. thrown yeah. around a lot and, and, and I don't mean to diminish it. And so there's, you know, different approaches and thoughts, like how you access oneness and how you begin to move into that. But for me, a big access point of getting in that flow space with the father and really being able to hear, um, is in just isolated movement, right? And you could be walking, you know, there's different approaches, but for me, it's running and, and running outside, not on a treadmill. I don't hear Jesus in the gym. <laughs> that's I'm so sure funny. He's, there. he's just not talking to me. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Cause I think relationally, that's like one of the first places I like encountered Jesus, yeah. uh, more like, um, yeah. In, in terms of relationally, that's where we spent time. Um, but then as I started training for the half marathon and getting outside more, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like yeah. if I am running specifically, totally prefer to be able to get outdoors and just whether it's silent or worship music on or, um, whatever it might be, just, just connecting through that, um, super powerful experience. I remember that half marathon race in Tucson, it was just for, for me, the running and that was the longest I, I had ran, especially like up and down hills and, and super just taxing. Um, it had one point to where, and I know 13 miles probably isn't a lot to somebody who runs 30, but like, <laughs> you it's know, still a lot. No, it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's still, a, it's still a good amount, but, um, there was one point where it was about a mile and a half uphill, like really steep grade. And then a mile and a half downhill, really steep grade. And then like three miles of just up and down and up and down and up and down. And it was on pavement too, which was interesting. So it went from trail to pavement. So, you know, you wore shoes for the trail, but then like you're on pavement. So, um, it was a mix of running, but I remember being out there and, you know, in my mind, that season was a season where I was really letting go of a lot of like anger. And it really felt like being out there, um, you know, like as Jacob, just wrestling with God, right? Just like being, letting it be okay to be like mad at your father and wrestle him. And even though like he knows how to like put you in a headlock and win every time, (laughs) you know, and make you tap. um, It was just such an interesting experience. And um, love that analogy. If you said like the thoughts flow in and they just float away. I feel like when running specifically, like with that mind body connection, maybe you can agree with this or disagree with this. It's like your thoughts can't squat in your mind anymore. Like the, the, the thoughts that are just meant to pass, like be felt, be heard, and then go to make room for the next one. They can't use your mind as like a, a holding tank when you're moving your body in that way. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. When you're running or, you know, in movement, but for me running, yeah, those thoughts that need to be thought, the ones that need to be dealt with and the ones that just need to go, it just seems like it just clears that headspace. And so you can make peace with those, send them on their way. And it really, you know, if I'm overwhelmed sometimes, or I'm just so much, sometimes I'll just go for a run just to clear my head. 
so that I can come back and sit back down at the table, you know, and be about the thing that I need to be about. But running does that so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in tridentity, when you're, you're coaching people through, you know, their, their purpose and, and their identity, their mindset, all of this, what does that actually look like? I think would be my first question. So I've got a few layers there. Like, like, what does that look like when you're actually walking someone through? Like, I think it'd be helpful for, for me and for people listening to kind of get a feel to lay the ground for some future questions. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so oftentimes I, you know, work with a lot of people who have a really strong church background. And so they come to me with, okay, you know, I know I'm a son or a daughter of Christ, you know, and I've heard all these things and I've grown up in church, which is great but they don't have a context for what that looks like for them on an individual level. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these individuals and clients have a lot of prophetic words, but they don't really know what to do with them. Yeah, and they're like, I still don't know who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is prophetic words should confirm what you know, but when you don't know, even something as good as a prophetic word can be overwhelming. And so what we do is we go on a journey of discovery. I use um, a framework that I've created over the years. It's called identity mapping um, because most people don't realize that their life um, from the very beginning up until this current point is full of information. And when you know how to find that information, when you know how to read that information, then what happens is you see it for yourself. It's not somebody saying you are this and you are that. And I see this on you, which is good. It's you seeing it for yourself for the first time. And that builds that absolute certainty and confidence. Whoa, this is who I am because now I see it through my whole timeline. This is who I've always been. And then you begin to own that identity, right? It begins to really become one with you because you see it. And you. it's like, you know, if you have little siblings or if you have children, you can tell them all day long, don't do this. Like, don't put your hand in the fire, right? What do they do? They put their hand in the Now it's internalized them why we don't put our hand in the fire and they'll never do that again. Same thing happens with my clients. Once they see for themselves their information and they see it and they internalize it, no one can tell them they're not that. No one can ever argue them out of their identity because now they own it and they see it. And then they go back and they look at those prophetic words and they take on a whole new dimension because now they see the confirmation and everything they've just discovered about themselves for the first time. That's a powerful moment when prophetic words shift from being this like, Oh snap. Is that really true? What God thinks of me to confirmation? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I've I've never heard it actually like, you know, put in that way that you just did there, but that is like a huge graduation moment for people. Oh, Absolutely. Because it it doesn't matter what age we are, right? Because some of us have just never been taught Mm -hmm, how to mm -hmm. find. And it's so interesting because even like the worst moments of your life and the best moments of your life, the fingerprints of God are on every single one of them. And when you begin to see that, it's just, you can't see it anymore. Mm -hmm. So it really shifts people into that space of, okay, this is who I am. This is what this Mm -hmm. looks like for me. So now I can begin to develop my language. I can begin to develop, you know, my voice. And my voice leads to authority and authority leads to governance. So it really shifts people and gets them back into that path that, that takes them right into purpose. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I think of kingdom health. Um, but I taught on this at our, our conference that we did, you know, back in July of 2021, 
um, which makes me think we need to do another one in 2022. But, um, you know, in the simplest terms, kingdom health means to take dominion over the peace of your body, right? Like in, in the Old Testament, the only word for health that was found was shalom. The only word that meant health in the fullness of it was shalom. And so with that, that's fullness. It means lacking nothing. It means completeness. It's full and total peace, right? And, and who doesn't want that over their body? Right? Who doesn't want that over their health, right? Like it's such a beautiful yeah. word for health. It yeah. blew my mind when I first found it. It's like, we're not looking for, you know, these are ingredients of the journey, but we're not necessarily looking for, um, you know, bigger muscles, flat stomach, um, look great naked, feel good, you know, wh- whatever it might be. We're looking to be lacking nothing and to just feel complete in our body. And so peace when receiving something like a prophetic word, I think is like a really, a really tangible thing that feels intangible for some people. And I know like for some people, um, even just struggles in health can have them doubt themselves in other areas. Maybe, you know, they might be overweight or maybe they have a, um, when I had my knee surgeries, if somebody would have told me, Patrick, you're the patient King, I would have said, get the hell out of here and try to help me walk in the next day. (laughs) You know, like, um, I wouldn't have had that same mentality. Um, and that prophetic word wouldn't have like landed the same way. So I would love to hear your take on, let's say somebody is struggling with having peace as they receive prophetic words because there's some sort of incongruence with their identity. Right. And let's just play with the idea of um, maybe it's a physical thing. Like maybe they're um, maybe they were born with a, a birth defect. Maybe they have a, a major injury. Maybe um, they're overweight. Maybe they're uh, really just sick. You know, they're in a season where they're catching diseases, you know, left and right. And that's like creating this um, this disconnect from their um, ability to be able to see who they are in Christ. Like, how, how would you personally walk that person through that? Like what, you know, what does that look like to be able to reconnect their identity? Yeah, no, that's a great, well, several things there. That's a great question. You know, a lot of times, well, first off, you want to make sure that your prophetic word is from a great source. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> you are, you are powerful to trash it or treasure it. So if you're yeah. listening and you're like, man, I have this prophetic word over here. I'm not so sure about, you can put it on the shelf and come back to it, you know, a year yeah. or two later, the sky's not going to fall in if you do that. And that's okay. Um, again, the prophetic should be affirming and confirming. And so, you know, and if it is that, and meets those qualifications and it, it resonates in your spirit, a lot of times we have this struggle, right? This tension between mind and spirit, um, because our spirit is already seated in the heavenly places with Christ and our spirit gets it. And our spirit is like, yes, but our mind is like, oh no, no, because you're trying to rationalize, you know, um, what God says about you or your prophetic word, or, you know what your spirit believes to be true. And that typically, like you said, Patrick, is because of all the circumstances, right? The things beyond our control or the things that might be happening to us or the things we're walking through. And so this creates a frustration um, or a sadness or an overwhelm in people sometimes. And so when I have somebody like that, we really have to go walk it back to identity, right? Mm -hmm. Who are you individually? 
Well, I'm a son and I'm a daughter. Yes, you are. But what does that look like for you? What is That's the language? Everyone right? just kind what of is- falls back into that. I'm a son and a daughter. I'm a son and a daughter. Let's just start there. Okay. And then, and then, and then we begin to look for language that makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm huge on language because it is a barrier um, or it is an open door, right? It increases capacity or it shuts us down depending on how we approach language. And so a lot of us get caught up in other people's words. And so we just start building language, you know, and really helping um, the client to really partner with who they are because it starts in the mind, right? So that mind can shift and come into congruence with their spirit. Because again, we are triune beings. And so we want our body, our mind, and our spirit to line up, right? Preferentially with our spirit leading the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so when there's that tension, when there's that struggle, it it usually is a mindset and it's usually disbelief um, because the, the reality of the externals are screaming louder. That voice has become louder than the voice of the internal, which is the spirit man. Um, and that's when I go back to what, you know, what I was talking about earlier in ultra running, you have to look at things and, and really begin to gauge them in truth. I always like to say, what is the highest truth, right? Is that situation? If you're, if you're overweight right now, is that your highest truth? No, it's what God says about you. That's your highest truth. And then what we do is we begin to make our life, right? Line up with what God says about how do we do that? We shift our mindsets. Um, how do we shift our mindsets? We begin to engage with the truth um, about us that we know that we understand as much as we can, right? For the work that we've done every single day. I have an I am statement. I say it every single day. Even when I'm throwing a tantrum, I have my moments. I'm passionate. <laughs> Even when my externals are out of control and I'm, I will be real. Like if you're watching right now, my Every facet of my life right now is is slightly out of control and there's nothing I can do. It it was not brought on by me, but we are being hit from all sides and have been for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's been an interesting year (laughs) and it doesn't even feel like it's 2022. It just kind of all spilled over. actually got worse around December, but I remind myself of who I am, you know, and my circumstances, just like my pain when I'm on mile 25 and it's hundred degrees and I'm in the mountains of Zion. (laughs) Is, this is temporary. This is not my absolute truth. And I can push past this. What do I believe in this moment? What do I believe? Do I believe what I'm looking at? Do I believe this pain that I feel? Or do I believe what God says about me? Do I truly believe that? That's what I want to partner with. And as I begin to shift towards the truth, the absolute truth, the highest truth in the room, right? In my environment, then the rest of me begins to follow suit where it begins to become your norm that you respond in identity and you no longer just react to everything in emotion, which is kind of a good gauge of where you are as far as, you know, bringing the dimensions of you into governance. Wow. If you're, you haven't like copyrighted respond in identity, don't <laughs> reply or no. What did you say? You said respond in identity. Don't reply in emotion. Don't, don't react in emotion. Don't react in emotion. If you haven't yeah. already like coined that, like that's, yeah. that, that's good. Okay. I'll coin that. Like as soon as we hop off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just take that one to the bank. I that's will. It's a writer downer. Patrick. Yeah, says so. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'm so curious. Um, I know you joined um, me and a few other people earlier or a couple months back in a fasting program. Um, that we ran here in Kingdom Health. Yes. What, um, you know, a lot of people listening are partakers in fasting just because I'm a faster. 
Um, and, and, you know, they're a part of this and they're learning from me. So what, uh, what have been some lessons about the mind that you've learned from fasting? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, it was interesting because when I, when I did that fasting protocol, you know, I used to fast all the time in my early twenties, I'm 43 right now. So it'd been a long time. I got out of the habit of fasting and just didn't do it. And I'd forgotten how powerful and how much your body screams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you make up your mind to do it. And your body is like, there's this, your mind's like, no, I've decided I'm doing this. And your body's like, no, we cannot do this. We cannot do this, this is nonsense. You're going to die. <laughs> and your mind's like, no, we're going to be fine. And so after a while, you know, the two caught up with one another and we were good, but it was really interesting to me because I'm a seasoned runner. You know, I'm a seasoned health person. Like it's, this is nothing new. I, mm-hmm. I know how to do this. And yet the struggle, <laughs> shockingly, <laughs> was very real. And so um, it's amazing because, you know, it's going to pass. But if you're in that fasting space and you're like, I can't do this. Like I just keep talking, you know, my body keeps winning and stick with it. Maybe dial it back a little bit, but uh, dial it back a little bit, but you'll get there. Um, it's just, what is, what is the absolute truth? What are your goals? This is a good time to remind yourself, what is your why? You know, we have our why in running. Why am I running? Why am I doing this? Because when you're on mile 24, when you're on, you know, fasting day five, <laughs> why you, you need to know why you're doing it, especially when the pain is strong or the discomfort is strong, because that why a lot of times reminds you, this is my truth. This is why I showed up. This is why I made the investment. Um, this is why I bought the foods or I threw the foods away, depending on mm-hmm. your, your scenario. Um, and really knowing your why and defining that is something that is, is helpful. And I had to remind myself, why am I doing this again? Why did I think this was a good idea? Um, but then I remembered and I was able to push through. Did you ever reach that like uh, flow state from fasting where it just became easy? Yeah, it became really easy. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have to eat because I am running. <laughs> you know, I can't, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's that balance and like doing nothing too extreme, which, you know, extremes aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you get into this flow state where, for me that my mind is so sharp, that's when you just want to sit and start working and, you know, just get into that creative flow um, because there's no distractions. I'm not tired. I'm not thinking about my next meal and I can really um, create some amazing work in that space. Yeah. I love how it, it shifts in certain seasons too. Like you talked about with extremes. Um, I'm of the standpoint that extremes are okay in extremely low doses um, and, and extreme situations like that to where even like with, um, you know, I'm doing world carnivore month right now, I've started to look at diets in terms of like carnivore, vegan, whatever it might be. Um, those are just, you know, both on, on each extreme as forms of fasting rather than a, a diet or a lifestyle that you have to live. And it's almost like a hormetic effect, like a very acute, you know, just sharp, um, effect on the body. But it's very interesting, you know, with what you said there on how the sharpness that comes from fasting, like the ability to be able to write better, to be able to perform better um, is so there, but then also you need food to be able to perform better in in your workouts. And there's even sometimes when, uh, you know, you dive into a fast and it's like, oh snap, I guess I didn't need food to have a great workout. Like you still do really well, even 36 hours into no food, um, which just feels 
insane, but it's something very interesting is, um, you know, with carnivore month right now, um, I'm normally a guy who's like skipping breakfast and just running through. And I think part of this has also been, you know, not, not in taking caffeine for the first time in six or seven years, you know, um, I, I was very consistent with caffeine for a long time and, you know, there, there's no appetite suppressing effect, but it's interesting because now in this season, eating in the morning gives me focus where in other seasons skipping it entirely was what would put me in that flow state around 11, 12 o'clock, you know, in the afternoon. And it's just so fascinating how Holy spirit uses, you know, different modalities and tools that you're in right now to where, you know, fasting may have made you feel cranky, angry, and moody in every other season of your life. But when Holy spirit says, Hey, it's time to go into a fast that could be the one tool that helps you get your book out. You know, that could be the one tool that helps you get that idea out, have that conversation. And then in other seasons when he says, Hey, it's time to, um, beast and nourish, you know, it's fascinating how, and I'd love to even see if there's any sort of like neurological or physiological, you know, things going on on like a cellular level or, um, you know, electrical level in the body, you know, with these transitions, but you know, in other seasons, it's like, you're almost not going to get your breakthrough unless you have that breakfast or you have that healthy meal or you like, you know, do what you need to do there. It's so interesting how it all like rotates. Have you experienced that in your own life? Oh, absolutely. You know, I can't, I can't fast through the fasting for an extended period of time, but when I was doing it, it was incredible and Mm -hmm. I haven't forgotten that. And so, and it really connected me. And when I used to do it, I probably did it too much. But then there are moments when, depending on what's going on in the season of life, when, yes, I need to nourish and take care of myself and really just like armor up because I have a full day in front of me and I have to have stamp. Not that you can't have that with fasting, but I think it just kind of depends on the season you're in and what is driving what. And and again, it's listening to Holy Spirit. And uh, I know when I started and I did the fasting protocol with you guys before that, it, it kept coming up. And coming up, like I look at a billboard, it said fast. I would like the license plate in front of me in a car, it said fast. And I'm like, okay, God, are you telling me to fast? Like I'm healthy. And, um, and then you had put that out there and I was like, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> so it was totally just like that. Why don't you fast for a time? You know, why don't you reset some, some, some things? And for me, it was a reset, not just, you know, with biomarkers uh, and from a physical standpoint, but there was a reset that I needed from an emotional and mental standpoint of just clearing the slate and just letting go of some things um, for a while. And it was, it it served me well in, in various aspects. And so, yeah, totally agree with what you're saying. So cool. Um, those of you guys listening as well too. We're going to be doing a fasting lifestyle challenge in February. I think it's going to be February 7th, if I'm accurate, starting on that Monday. So if you guys are wanting to dive in and learn a little bit more about fasting for Christ connection and supernatural health, um, I'll be giving away, you know, that protocol that you followed in there, Melody, um, for you guys to be able to follow and also walking you guys through some intermittent fasting and a full day fast. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be about a five day experience from what we're planning out. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for anyone interested. Um, so I'm going to shift gears here. Uh, didn't start it off, you know, talking about fasting and then just turned into a good plug there for that. But, um, I'm, I want to, I want to shift back over to identity. I know we started this about like mind body connection, but I really feel like a heavy anointing on the identity stuff right here. 
Um, you, you talked about how with identity, it helps to have verbiage, right? Because it's either the barrier or it's, you know, a new level to understanding. How can somebody, because I think it's so powerful, especially um, within our health, when you know who you are, you know why you're taking care of who you are. You know, when you know your purpose here, it becomes so easy to say, I've got a big day ahead of me. I need to fuel myself with nutritious um, foods and, and vitamins and minerals and proteins that are just going to amplify my performance and my um, just ability to be able to show up as, as who I am. So how do you get that verbiage in the first place? Yeah. Like how, how can someone do that? That's a great question. So a lot of what I do is really help people when you understand, right? When you understand who you are, then what you begin to do is refine the language, right? Which gives way to voice. So practical example, I'll have a client and she'll come in and she'll say, look, you know, everybody in my family is an entrepreneur, but I'm not an entrepreneur. I actually hate that word. So we'll start talking. Okay. Do you run a business? Yes, but I'm not an entrepreneur. Because that's just not like it doesn't jive with me. And, and I don't want to do that. And so there's all this frustration and this angst and this overwhelm. And we'll keep diving through words and language. And, and maybe for her, the word is visionary. Maybe for her, the word is creative. Okay, that's your word. Okay, you identify with that. Why? Well, it probably lines up with the identity map that we just built for them. Because we go into emotions. We go into core values. We go into the past. We pull words. And we begin to see these words just repeat over and over and over, right? So some of the language comes from the process of discovery. And, and then we get outside people to speak into our lives and the words actually match the words. I mean, nine out of 10 times that the client has been working on for six weeks. So what we do is we take that information because it's more meaningful if your language is derived from the information of your life. Now it's a personal word. It's a word that you already owned. You're giving voice to it. Um, and so that language, so what we want to do with that language is that's what we want to build from right? Those are the bricks on our path into purpose. And so if you can stay true to your language or you let that language drive your decisions, well, if I'm not an entrepreneur, then I probably don't need to go start businesses. But it's amazing how many people will get caught up in the wrong thing outside of their purpose because they want validation. And so this is why it becomes so important because it really brings clarity um, and it, it really helps you have laser tunnel kind of laser focus vision on what is yours and what isn't. And so when you begin to find your language and find your words, then you can begin to develop a rubric or a framework with your language that is a guide for like when you're choosing between A and B. Do I take this job or do I leave? Do I start the podcast or do I, you know, partner with somebody else? Well, let's go back and see what your language says, right? And so I get, you know, I get so many clients that'll come back a year later and they're going to be like, I still use my identity map, you know, when I'm building, moving forward, part, you know, with because I, I honor the words that frame up who I am and who God created me to be. So it's kind of hard to develop that language unless you've done that work um, of discovery throughout your journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I love that like kind of magnetism towards certain words. I was at a, um, a like kind of social event, I think last Saturday. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, uh, every Thursday morning, I am a part of like this Christian men's group where we meet up and it's an organization called Pinnacle. It's been around for a while and uh, they had like a get together in Dallas. And one of their big things is the seven mountains. And, you know, they're always interested in that. And it was kind of like a, 
you know, a meet and greet, find new people. A lot of people are just kind of working the room, just, you know, going around. And so as like a conversation starter, uh, they had everybody stand up and, and go to a certain area of the room for whatever mountain they felt most called to, right? And, and we know that you can shift around mountains, but I remember being at a, a 100X conference back in April of 2019, and I heard Lance Walnu speak about um, the mountains for the first time. And I'd only been saved for maybe six months at this point in time, like six or seven months. And I'm, you know, seeing uh, guys like, like Dub Alexander, Matt Gonzalez and, and Keith Ferrante prophesying. And I'm like thinking in my head, oh, that's what they talked about when they said false prophets to be aware of. Cause I had no idea. <laughs> Those are all great guys for anyone listening. Um, I was just so young in the, in, uh, in my relationship with Jesus and um, someone who I really looked up to and was a good friend of mine, dropped me off at the conference and that was her words. She's like a grandma to me. She's like, just beware of those false prophets. And then I go and I see, you know, uh, Keith Ferrante and Dub and Matt G just dropping words. And I'm like, ah, these are the crazy Christians that you may be aware of. And now two out of those three, I've gotten the chance to give a big hug and just shake their hand and, and get to know a little bit more. Um, which is so fascinating, but I heard Lance Walnew there talk about the seven mountains. And I remember so specifically with that, um, there was like a, a map, like in a mom, and there's just like this, you are here button right on top of education. Um, and it blew my mind for the first time because it put verbiage to what I'd been seeing, but I'd always thought like you had to be in the business mountain to make impact, or I thought you had to be in the church mountain to make, to make impact. And I remember being at this, um, this, you know, bringing it back to just last week at this little social gathering, they had to stand up and, uh, go to each section. And when they say business, like 75% of the room stands up and like goes, goes in that corner. And my buddy's like poking me. He's like, dude, why aren't you getting up? You're in business. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm an educator. <laughs> he's like, oh, and he's one of my clients too. So like he gets it, <laughs> but you know, he's like, you own a business, you're in the business mountain. Right. But it's, it's like you said, the word didn't, it doesn't land for me just because I own a business doesn't mean I'm in the business mountain right? It's more so like a vehicle for um, being an educator, right? And being a teacher and speaking on the things that I love. So I think that's so powerful for a lot of people because they've probably been told that you do this, you do that. It's on the ingredients of your wrapper, you know? So that's what you are. And it's like, well, just because it has banana and what, what would be something here? Oh, just because it has like peanut butter and banana in the ingredients doesn't mean it's a peanut butter and banana sandwich. It could be a smoothie, you know, it could be a, it could just be peanut butter and banana with a little honey or something on top, which is a great pre-workout snack um, that I used to enjoy a lot, but it's fascinating. Never heard the verbiage put to that like you just did. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and people just need, we just need permission. It's like when you give somebody permission to drop words, Mm -hmm. You just see like 50 pounds come off of them. And so mm -hmm. they find their identity, they find their words, they build that framework. And that gives them really a, a place, you know, people say, well, you know, the, yes, the Bible and, and Jesus and your son or a daughter, and that's enough. Well, is it enough if we have this many people in the church? It's enough, but our understanding is not enough. Let me reframe that. We haven't taken that revelation and bridged the gap from the revelatory to the practical. So we're running around with this revelation, which is true, but if we don't know how to apply it and we don't know how to work from it and build from it, then it's not helping us. And so it's really unpacking your identity as a son, your identity as a daughter, 
And then once people get that, it's like, yes, it's so much easier to show up for themselves in their other dimensions, right? It's easier to get a handle on the mindset and the emotions. It's easier to get a handle on our health and our body because now we have a context for it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not just going to the gym to go to the gym. I'm going to the gym with purpose because I know that I have a race to run. I have people who are waiting on me to show up and that's not going to happen, right? Unless I take care of myself. Yeah, absolutely. Freaking love that. Okay, Mel- Melody, uh, as we start to you know shift gears to wrap things up here, I would love to hear one thing, you know, when, when I had a, here's the question first what is one thing somebody can do right away is like an exercise or a drill or a practice to, to walk into a deeper understanding of their identity. If they feel like they don't fully grab that, or maybe they, they know it, but they'd like the next level even of it. You know, um, I, I love to kind of end these podcasts with that. Like Arun gave us a breath work exercise. Treva last week gave us some advice on, on getting a coach. Like what's one thing someone can do to just take that next step is, is kind of like a, um, a first step exercise or drill. Sure. Absolutely. I love this. Um, I'm glad you gave me the opportunity because I love to share this activation. It's called the teensy tiny, the teensy tiny piece of paper activation. And you can use this for a lot of things, but coming into your identity, it starts with being honest with yourself. And a lot of us have a hard time just being honest with ourselves, Right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is your spirit, man, is always speaking to you, whether or not you're listening or engaging and your spirit knows So deep down inside, you already know some things about you, whether or not you would admit that to anyone, whether or not you've spoken it out loud or you've shared it. So I like to have um, clients and students, if I'm facilitating a class, take a tiny piece of paper. And what I have them do is write down, identify and write down the dream of their heart. Because that paper, if you knew that paper was going to burn up and I I have them tear it in tiny little shreds and we throw it outside. So there's no commitment. Okay, so it's safe to be honest. No one's going to read it. The paper self-destructs in 10 seconds, you know, after you've written on it. But what I want you to do is have a moment of honesty and listen to that voice that you keep shutting down that you've ignored your whole life. That's constantly saying, hey, you want to do this. Hey, you are meant to do this because your spirit man was born from the heart of the father. Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 1, 4, right? We were created in him before the foundation of the world. You existed. You're, you predate the formation of earth because you were born from the heart of the father. You've been hanging out in the father's heart um, until it was your time to be sent into the earth realm. Your spirit knows what you carry. And so if you can be honest with yourself and you can listen and write that down on a piece of paper, that is the first step in engaging your identity is just being honest with yourself. And taking a minute to step aside and really acknowledge the spirit man inside of you, God inside of you, talking to you, you know, whispering. And so some clients will say, well, I don't have a dream. That's fine. Um, Because that goes in with whether you're a Mo or a Joe, and I'm not going to get into that right now, but some people know exactly what that dream is. They they can write it down. Um, I've always wanted to write books. I'll share mine. Mine was always, I want to write books to change the world. Okay. So that would be the dream of my heart. Some people don't have, they can't verbalize that. So the next question is, if you can't do that, what do you always see yourself doing? Or like when you're imagining, like when you're running or you're daydreaming and you're in that other place where you see yourself, maybe you're on a stage speaking. Um, Maybe you are farming. Maybe you are building a beautiful building. Maybe you are painting. Maybe you're running an Etsy. What is it that you always see yourself doing even if you've never dared speak it or share it with anyone that right there holds a ton of information. And so when 
when people understand that they don't have to share it, they don't even have to speak it. Just write on a piece of paper, tear the piece of paper up. I actually, if you're in my class, I make you go like hide it somewhere in the house because when we come full circle at the very end, all of the information, 99.9% .9 of the time lines up and supports that dream that they were too scared to write down in the very beginning because God put it there. So we're just going to prove it's like proving a theory, right? So if you're listening, go when, as soon as this podcast is over, don't wait, go find a piece of paper, get by yourself, dare to write down the dream of your heart, dare to write down the thing that you always see yourself doing in your mind's eye, no matter how silly, no matter how arrogant, no matter. I have some clients who will feel shame for what they wrote down. Because I think, oh, it's too self-centered. I'm telling you, God put it in you. It is not self-centered. You have permission. You have freedom to dream and to write those things down. This is just the very beginning. But whatever you write down, I just want you to begin to think on it. You don't have to tell anyone. Just begin to chew on it when you're running, <laughs> when you're at the gym, when you're in movement, right? In your downtime, driving to work, your commute. Begin to process it. Just begin to think on it. Begin to dream it. Begin to ask questions right? God is always there waiting to answer. Why is this in me? Why do I feel this way? You know, what is my next step? What do you say about this? So that would be, that's a really simple place to start, but it's amazing how powerful that activation is. And um, it's going to be true for you because it's what's been in your heart, because it's what was imparted in your heart. Every single one of us carries a divine aspect of heaven waiting to be released into the earth realm. That is the piece of the God code, the divine DNA within you, whispering to you, talking to you. Even if your mind hasn't caught up and doesn't believe it, doesn't make it any less true. So if you begin to engage with it, even if it's just acknowledging it and writing it down on a tiny piece of paper, that's going to self-destruct because no one's going to see it, okay? That's a first step towards begin moving in that direction. So stinking good. I want to leave it at that. How can people get connected with you um, in future classes or things that you're doing, Melody? Absolutely. You can go to my website, which is melodydowlearn.com. And um, I have links on that page to my identity workshops, my classes. You can subscribe to my email. You can reach out for personal consultation. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one identity coaching, um, one-time sessions. So I'm there. If you want to connect, just reach out to me and we will get something set up. Super cool. Melody, thank you so much for hopping on here. I'll make sure all of those um, or that link right there is in the show notes as well, too, for anybody watching on Spotify or any of the podcast forums or YouTube. Um, yeah, it's just been such a blast. This is an awesome conversation. I just appreciate you so much for hopping on here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Patrick. This has been fun. <laughs> You're so welcome, Melody. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.